Hello and welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Today on the pod, we'll be talking about the path to reseller success in 2021 and beyond with two special guests. Michelle McKeith is a vice president of RSPA member Pinnacle Hospitality, a reseller of restaurant IT solutions headquartered in Fort Lauderdale and with locations throughout Florida, Alabama, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. Michelle has been active in the RSPA's uh, Women in Retail group. She's serving as the chair uh, here for 2020 and was a panelist for the WW community event at Retail Now 2019. Hey, Michelle, welcome back to the pod. Hi, Jim, good morning. Yeah, always great to talk with you. And so uh, Michelle appeared on a prior episode along with Colin Martin uh, from Vigilex talking about uh, leadership and uh, company culture, one of our more popular pods we've ever recorded. So no pressure, Michelle, expecting this one uh, to deliver the Thanks. same. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> sure. Happy to put pressure on the guests like 90 seconds in. Uh, our second guest is Suzanne Davis, the Senior Vice President of Business Development for RSP Vendor Member Shift 4. Suzanne is in her second year as a member of the Board of Directors for the RSPA. And earlier this year, she participated on a panel at RSP Inspire that focused on acquisitions in our channel. Hey, Suzanne, always great to see you and chat with you. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Suzanne. <laughs> Great. So we have two interesting perspectives here. So Michelle is leading a reseller organization that served merchants for 30 years. And Suzanne has worked with a variety of VARs, like hundreds of VARs, across her 15 years in the channel. So our pattern for our conversation today is going to be a lot of times asking Michelle about uh, her organization, what Pinnacle does, and then Suzanne will take it from a global level in terms of what she's seeing uh, in the general reseller community. So Michelle, let's start with you. And so I gave a two-sentence overview of Pinnacle a moment ago, but the three of us know that resale organization, organizations have nuances. Their description can't be squeezed into like 30 or 40 words. So before we talk about the path to reseller success in 2021, can you talk about Pinnacle's journey over time, how the company's uh, adapted, what your business looks like today? Sure. Uh, well, we started in 1989. Um, Don Potter started the, the company in 1989, along with his partner, Steve Barber. And it, it, it definitely has e evolved. I mean, just how just point of sale and everything that we do has evolved over time. Um, I would say in the last um, two years, it's evolved at a more rapid pace, uh, but it has definitely evolved. Um, we have um, nine different offices. We're, we're headquartered in Fort Lauderdale, um, and we we it's a, one of our challenges is is how to continue to evolve our team and also to educate our team on the products that we're servicing and selling uh, and keep that consistent uh, geographically because we have the nine different offices, and so. Uh, I think with strong leadership and the right team members uh, and being intentional about it, that's where you, that's what we have to do to evolve and embrace what's going on. And in 2020, because we've always done that in 2020, uh, it was very helpful to help us navigate through this year. Yeah, difficult year uh, for sure. And so, you know, anybody who's been in business in this industry for 30 years, like there's a natural transition that's going to happen. Like, you know, you're not selling cash drawers full time, right? You're moving into uh, other things, obviously, as the technology changes. You mentioned that the last two years you've seen the most change. Can you describe to our audience 
exactly what those are. I can I can presume what they might be, but if you can share for our audience, like what have been those biggest changes uh, over the past 24 months? Well, I think, you know, one, um, you know, the main product that we work with, PosiTouch, uh, was, you know, uh, bought by Shift4, um, and that really evolved, um, kind of uh, expanded, if you will, uh, what that meant for us as a product, put us into the credit card processing world, which we uh, embraced right from the very beginning. And it's been a, a very good thing for us. And it really is where the industry is evolving. Um, and so, uh, but it was different. And uh, it is a different way of looking at uh, how you can help our existing customer base and what we can offer to all of the prospects that are out there and in a very good way, because especially going into 2020, we had a lot of products already, but in 2020 and going through the pandemic and everything else, contactless payments and many other ways for the, for the restaurants to try to evolve and stay open, uh, we had those tools for them. So uh, that was very helpful, but it was all coming at us at a very rapid pace and we had to count on our team to uh, be ready for that and whatever we ask them to do to embrace it and sell it, you know, and, and help, our, help our industry, but also be able to support it. So it's been very, a very difficult time, but because of those things, it's helped us to survive. And actually we, we are thriving. Great. Great. And I know talking with a lot of resellers this year, there's a big difference between those who had contactless payments and then had just, just had to go implement it, as opposed to those who didn't and they had to go figure out where are we going to get that technology, you know, what's the best fit for us, and then go and try to sell it. A lot of those folks, uh, you know, wish they had been had been thinking ahead, contactless, mm -hmm. you know, online ordering, things like that. Uh, so good information on Pinnacle. What would you say are your competitive advantages? Like, what do you do exceptionally well that helps you win detail? Or, help you win de deals and retain mm -hmm. merchants long-term? What do your merchants see? What would they say are your competitive advantages? Well, I mean, there's, uh, so there's two different answers to that. Um, I would say uh, from a perspective of um, how we really win deals, it starts with um, the intentional, intentionality, is that the right word, of, uh, of working on your team and uh, our, our, our team is our biggest asset, if you will, and the culture that we've built. So that foundationally is a very good thing that then anything else that you do, which the most helpful thing is that we actually have products that are relevant and they're continuing to evolve. And so the combination of the team that really wants to be there and it's an A player of team, of team and leadership and then how to take that to the market and show them how we can help, not just be that hard sell. That's what's helping us to continue to evolve and embrace whatever comes at us. Got it. Thank you for that. So the people and the product. So Suzanne, uh, give us your take. What are the thoughts on your thoughts on what you've heard from Michelle? What are you seeing from successful resellers today in terms of their competitive advantages? So you know what, it, like we said, it's a difficult environment. It becomes harder. What are you seeing from VARS? We able to consistently win detail, uh, win deals uh, today. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Um, what I do want to say is to piggyback on Michelle first and foremost is she had mentioned that, you know, she has a very organized infrastructure there at Pinnacle. Um, Don and Michelle have done an exceptional job creating that team. 
and um, aligning the strategy of their organization. So prior to the acquisition, I mean, they were teed up very well. Um, you know, whether that means that they have specific sales teams that function and go after certain things, um, they're, they're very strategic in what they do and they're very organized, you know, with everything and how they do it. And that makes all the difference in the world. Um, so I, I wanna give them kudos for that because they, they are very agile and um, it's really impressive um, with how quickly a change could come down the pipe and um, how quickly they can go ahead and, and organize um, the rest of Pinnacle organization and the culture that they've created there where everyone is so bought in. I mean, you know, and, and for obvious good reasons um, that their employees are very happy there. And they, they when Michelle and John asked them, uh, Michelle and Don asked them to jump, they do jump. So that's, I think, one of the biggest things is to have a culture of buy-in and um, to be very organized in how you do it. And I know that's kind of basic, but it just, it doesn't happen across all reseller dealerships. It just doesn't, unfortunately, for various reasons. Um, so that's, that's number one. Um, number two is that communication. And I'll say this, this is not, you know, a lot of these questions that um, we might talk about today, people might be looking for a silver bullet, but a lot of this is actually really very basic. Communication, um, communicating to your customers, communicating to your partners, communicating to your staff, um, constantly. The good, the bad, the ugly, the taboo, just um, Michelle and I talk about this a lot, straight talk, direct talk. Give them the information that they need, be there for them. During COVID, I talk to resellers, Jim, just like you talk to resellers, that lean, that, you know, the, the, the really good trusted advisors, they did, they leaned into those conversations and they had them and they weren't always pretty. They were challenging and they heard things that, you know, they didn't always want to hear from their customers, some of which was uncomfortable, but basically it built stronger relationships and um, it allowed them to pivot to tools that they had or maybe they weren't using before to go ahead and offer to these customers to allow them to thrive, reclaim certain residual streams um, that they weren't taking advantage of before pre-COVID. you know, pre -COVID. So I would say, you know, um, a good, well-oiled organization that is kind of standardized and organized has good culture and community. And, and that goes for my organization as well. It's needed on, on our level as well. And then communication. And that also goes for within, you know, Shift 4 and other organizations similar to Shift 4. So those are the two that, you know, I would highlight and, you know, never underestimate them. Mm -hmm. And your, your point about being a trusted advisor, you know, I've, during this uh, pandemic, I was actually channeling Jeff Foxworthy in terms of, you know, if your merchant called you uh, when they were in a crisis, you might be a trusted advisor, right? But if they didn't, then maybe maybe you aren't. So that, that's something big. So you talked about you know being strategic, agile, organized, the communication with the team. What are you seeing? So that's, you know, Pinnacle is a larger organization. How many employees do you have, Ballpark, Michelle? Uh, we have about 80 employees. And okay. And so that's one dynamic that you would see. Suzanne, can you speak to some of the smaller resellers? What are you seeing is their strategic effort where, you know, organization is, you know, at a, at a much different, uh, you know, level and the communication that we have everybody in the same room, you know, we're talking about five, 10 person organization. What are you seeing are their competitive uh, advantages? What's successful for them in 2020? What's going to spark them in 2021? 
Yeah, so similar similar things. I mean, it might be scaled down quite a bit from Michelle and Don's organization, but a lot of the same um, strategies apply. So um, whether you have you know four or five people in the office selling or 50, still organizing your sales team. And I seen the most success with resellers across our industry that specifically go after new sales. They have new sales teams and then um, sales teams that are separate than the new sales team attacking their existing base, shoring up their existing base because that's what you have right now. Is and, and, and Granted, there's a lot of really impressive productivity going on right now during these challenging times, which is awesome to see. Um, but the one thing that you know you know you have and you want to retain is your existing base. So having a specialized team, and that could be one person, Jim. That could be one person that is just on the phone all day calling or emailing um, and reaching out to their existing base. Having those conversations, like I said, um, did you know we had you know this product to help with online sales? Did you know that you could have this product to help with takeout? Did you know that we had contactless payments? Did you know we have this mobile device? Um, so I think you see a lot of resellers in the in the scale down version of Pinnacle that they get stuck and they kind of are a one trick pony and they're just going after new 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 sales and they maybe they don't want to invest in another person or they don't want to divide the team up to. Um, take away from some of the new sales. But when you're reaching out to your existing base, you're also getting new sales. You're getting referrals. And again, you're building that relationship that is not going to go anywhere. So I I, I double down on that and say it doesn't change for smaller resellers. It, it shouldn't. Um, no, and then, that. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we're seeing prior to the pandemic, we know that, you know, large upfront costs with technology are kind of a thing of the past, right? So, hardware, software, um, people weren't really willing to put out that money as much. And now with a pandemic, they're absolutely not willing to put, up, put out as much money. So having a value proposition that you can go ahead and offer, and to Michelle's point, is extremely relevant in this time with really good technology, um, you're going to see a lot of wins there, and that's what we're seeing as well. So um, some of the similar conversations, Jim, I don't think that just because your smaller reseller that you can't do similar things and start to scale from there. And a lot of resellers don't know how to scale, but your partners should know how to help you scale. You know, various partners, any vendor partner should be able to help you scale. They're in organizations usually that have scale. I mean, Chip4 is scaling every week, every day we're scaling. And, you know, it doesn't come without pain points or struggle or communication gaps but you learn to standardize and the more you kind of standardize it doesn't mean that you don't think outside of the box or it doesn't mean that you don't treat um, a vip differently than you should treat them you treat them with kid gloves you treat that you have boutique like services for them but you have to standardize things because if you don't do that there's going to be one salesperson that's kind of rogue over here there's going to be another one over here that your operations team isn't going to be in touch with your sales team or it's you know it's kind of basic but um that's what I would say that you should really focus on, but your existing base, Jim. Yeah, got it. Well, thank you for that. And so there's a thing, it's like a habit trail. Do you guys know what a habit trail is? Like for a, if you have a gerbil, you know, and they kind of run through some tubes and stuff like that. So if you have a plan to build that out for a gerbil, I know someone's going to say like, where is he taking this analogy? But if you just add on one tube and then you go and add on another and then you add on another, well, you're going to end up with this mess 
right? It's going to be ugly. But if you're start and when you're small and start saying, well, if I'm putting this thing on here, what are the three steps ahead? And that's what it seems like a lot of times smaller resellers are focused on the day to day and they're just adding on. Then they look back a few years later and they're like, what have I really built here? Um, and so you like for your point, you know, as, no matter what size you are, you got to think of that organization and, and think where you're going from there. So, well, good. So that was an overarching, you know, what's working, what's not working. Let's drill down on a few different topics here. So, Michelle, let's talk about go to market strategies. What have been your best strategies and tactics? So from a sales and marketing standpoint, what's worked for you? And feel free to share what hasn't worked or, or doesn't work anymore uh, in this new world. Talk about your go to market strategies, please. Well, one thing I wanted to say, and it ties both of these things together, what we just talked about and what you just asked me, is that um, I would encourage any um, reseller out there to not um, be concerned about, even though we're in this very fast-paced evolution of things, to not be concerned about taking time to slow down to speed up. Because that's sometimes where, uh, that's the that's the thing where they get caught in and we do it too. We get caught in, well, gosh, we got to keep going. We got to do this. But wait a minute. If what's strategic, like where do we want to be with something or where do we want the overall, you know, where do we want to get to? And the only way to do that is to slow down, look at what we've done, what have we learned? And then if you have to pivot, if you have to change something, even if it's in the way we're pricing it, even if it's in some education with the team, the sales team, the support team, whatever it is, if you don't take that time to slow down and fix it at the time that it's starting to get out of control, you're going to implode. Um, and then you've just got a bigger mess to fix. And um, we, we kind of model that by our one fundamental called do it right the first time. So in that very definition of it, it's sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. So that, that's a, a takeaway that we have learned the hard way. Um, and so when we're looking at how to go to market with something, we don't just look at um, what, the, what it is and how they're going to sell it. We're looking at what it is. We're also looking at how we're going to sell it. But then how does that then get through our, our team? Like even as detailed as how does it go through accounting? And what, how do, what do they need to look for to make sure it was sold properly? Then with our installation and the team that executes on helping the customer out, how do you do that? How do you train on that? Then we look at how are we going to support it long term? And we take it all the way through that and we do it quickly, but we take it all the way through that and then we educate the team and then we deploy. Okay, so then we go to market with it. Um, and that's been a challenge because the good news is we've got a lot of great tools to offer and help the customer out. The bad news is that we have a lot of great things <laughs> to learn and to get ready for to be able to help the customer out. So, um, so that's, I think, and that's where the intention being intentional about it and strategic really comes into play. Great. And you mentioned, uh, no, that was a, that was a good answer. You mentioned about 
you know, of pricing and things like that. And, the, you know, sort of strategic, how you do instead of just let's start slinging these products at people. There's one of my favorite books called Switch by Chip and Dan Heath. And Chip Heath actually spoke at an Inspire event uh, many years ago. And they talk about shaping the path, right? It's not just going out and bludgeoning your uh customers and potential customers with buy this new product, buy this new product. There are things you can do from a pricing standpoint or a that they pay as a service or or different mm -hmm. things like that. Are there any of those that you might uh, be willing to share with us in terms of that's worked for Pinnacle in terms of being able to make it easier for the customer to add the technology to to their business, uh, either from a pricing standpoint, adoption standpoint, anything like that? Anything you can share that's kind of like lower the fruit? Yeah, I mean, uh, Suzanne even touched on it. Uh, you know, the biggest thing is educating the existing customers and even and even prospective customers that point of sale is not the expense that it used to be. So um, there's a lot of different ways that we can offer that it's just that monthly payment without a lot of upfront costs. So um, you know, for for um, a prospective customer out there that they really need to switch or they need to upgrade their system because they're not compl PCI compliant, they're not EMV, whatever, they're thinking they have to have all of this money in order to make that change. And it's up to us to get out there and get that word out that it's just not that. So if you have a good reputation of service and support and then you can offer to switch them or to get, you know, if they're opening up a, a, a restaurant, or a hotel or whatever they're doing, hospitality-wise or retail-wise, if you can offer it very little upfront, a monthly payment that's affordable, then it's very doable and they can have everything they're looking for. And Don always talks about, we were at an RSPA event and Mary from uh, NCC, she's like in her 20s, right? Mary Harris, yep. And she says, I know that I can't outright buy that BMW or that Mercedes, but I know I can afford the monthly payment. And that is the mentality and the, also the way, because our, our age group that we're selling to right now, most of them are in that you know, 20, 30, 40 something, and all they really care about is if they can afford the monthly payment and that that monthly payment gives a lot of value and good support. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the car analogy because that's what I was thinking. Uh -huh. If the auto industry had like, I really want to buy that car. Okay, that'll be $39,000 including tax. Like, you know, the auto industry would totally collapse itself. And that's what it seems like the POS industry is adapting from from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Suzanne, any uh, last words, any comments do you have? You touched on some go-to-market tactics. What would you add to what Michelle said in terms of, you know, strategy and tactics for go-to-market that you've seen from successful resellers? Yeah, successful resellers, Jim, um, they also have a really good social media presence, especially now during COVID when you can't always see people face-to-face -face or as often as you'd like. So um, I think we've seen a huge wave of, of our reseller channels and partners um, becoming more familiar and comfortable with being on social media. And, and we've also encouraged that by running certain contests to reward them for doing so. Um, having, you know, kind of a digital army in that presence is really important, really important for them and their customers and for gaining new customers as well. So that's something that we've seen um, that they really take into and they really like and, and they've gotten a lot of good results for from. So um, that and then, you know, what else has become <laughs> increasingly popular is cash discount program right now. Right. So 
you're a small business and you're operating particularly, you know, in the service business, you're it's more expensive right now during the pandemic. And so with cash discount program, the merchant just passes along the cost of the credit card processing to the customer. Now, that's not always that well received, but right now during COVID, actually people are um, you know, feeling a little bit better about paying that extra cost. So um, that's become something that people have also added to their arsenal, um, at least for our partners. Um, you know, we put together a very, a very good plan or a um, sales program around that as well. And so they have that as an additional tool. Um, and I think, I think that goes to, if I'm a reseller right now, I need to not just be a one trick pony. I have to really pull in all these different um, tools that I have out of my war chest and be able to be educated on them, understand how to sell them and um, know when to offer them. So I think, you know, you, you, have to find out what all of your partners are offering because maybe you haven't been taking advantage of them all. And I'm sure most partners out there, vendors are more than happy to spend the time with um, one person or a whole sales team to educate them on all these different tools to allow the partner to go out and get more customers or keep the customers that they have. Yeah, and it goes back to, uh, we talked about earlier being agile, right? And being able to change. You can't just say, well, this is what I've done for the last six months, 12 months, six years, 12 years, you know, that's that's not going to keep pace with the mm -hmm. way that the world is moving. You've got to be able to adapt with it. Yeah, absolutely. And every, it seems like, you know, every reseller I talk to, um, the obvious is contactless payments. I mean, that's their lead in for a sale right now. And that's what's getting the most attention is contactless payments, um, contactless ordering, contactless payments, just um, having that, that mobility and being able to um, have a, a touch-free screen and um, it allows the customer to be more agile in their business because it's not just obviously the resellers that are having to innovate and be so agile during this time. We've seen, right, customers that have had to reinvent themselves. And this is part of it. So um, all those tools are going to help a reseller, you know, be more successful. Great. So that was talking about how to land uh, new merchants. Let's talk about customer service. So, Michelle, can you start us off? What are you doing today at Pinnacle to serve merchants better while at the same time keeping your overhead low, right? There's, oh, we can throw all these people at the problem, but that's, you know, going to uh, you know, really impact your bottom line. Uh, and so what changes have you made? What changes do you plan to make to upgrade and streamline your service offering for 2021 and beyond? So the way we're doing it um, hasn't changed from the way we've been doing it for a while is to the, the, the thing I wanted to tie in here is that um, I would encourage you as as owners and leaders of a team to not think that your team is going to come up with uh, knowing that they have to evolve on their own. It's up to you as a as as the leader uh to know where you want to take them give them the why and then help to take them there but don't do it for them have empower them to come up with the solution so they have more of a buy-in when we're actually executing on it right so um so we have collaborative discussions on you know this is what this is what we need to do this is why we need to do it and then they come up with, okay, well, we could do this, we can do that. And together we come up with things that we're going to do. So I guess if you talk to our team, they would say that they uh, are all in because they understand the why. And, and sometimes they don't believe, you know, they, 
maybe they don't 100% agree with where we need to go, but they know that uh, they've got to trust us. And then that's that. That's what comes into you know that that trust and then the communication that um, Suzanne tapped on earlier, very important. Um, and so with customer service, um, yeah, how many times do you hear from your customer service team? We need more people, you know? I mean, we run a 24 hour, seven day a week help desk. And um, <clears throat> what we started seeing is that, um, you know, people come and go and so on. And, um, and it's hard to get people up to speed on a help desk because it's like an emergency room, right? It's like that call could be, oh, you need a Band-Aid or you actually have to bring them back to life, right? So um, so it's how do you train that and so on. So what we decided to do was we have a big customer service team and they had they were in these different silos of, well, you're in installations, you're in help desk and you're field service. Lot of wealth of knowledge there. Some of our team members are like, been with us for 20 plus years. So um, we decided to tear down the silos and cross train everybody. And so now I have a whole team of people that if you're not scheduled to do something, you're plugged into the help desk. And so our help desk always has to have a minimum number of people. And it could be from any one of those silos, which they're all customer service. They all know our products. And that way we're getting more labor utilization and we're, we're also giving our customers uh, the best service that we can. Now, are we perfect? No, uh, but we, and we have an escalation process if those team members, you know, we escalate. Um, but that's what we decided to do because I don't want to add more people. I, want, I just want to make the people, I just want to help the people that we have to be the best they can be and that they always are doing something to help because help our customers. Because what we say at Pinnacle is our customer is our paycheck. We don't make anything. We don't make those readers. We don't make the terminals. We make happy customers, so. No, I really like how you said that and the importance of, again, going back to like, if there's a theme so far, it's about being agile, both as an organization, but also internally that folks can jump in and, and plug in. And you said your customer service isn't perfect. And the only way that a company has perfect customer service is if you have one customer and it's your mother, right? That's the only way that you're ever going to be rated having personal customer service. So mm -hmm. glad you've grown beyond uh, that very small uh, market share. So uh, Suzanne, uh, before we take a break, uh, can you share your broader perspective on what you see in terms of exceptional customer service from resellers, both for today and tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, obviously everything that Michelle said was spot on. Um, customer service is, you know, number one. And as a consumer, I'll always spend more money for really good customer service. I always have and I always will. It's important to me. I want to talk to a human being. I want to be able to talk things out and process things if I don't understand them. So I want someone to be there on the other line for me, but I also want the tools to be able to navigate that on my own if I have to. And so having um, those resources, whether that's building out your website as a reseller to be able to have product modules and trainings available um, or live chat groups, right? Because like Michelle said, her age group is anywhere from like 12 to 40 um, people want to do things on their own too, the things that they can do, right, on their own time. So making sure that you're giving your customer or empowering your customer to be able to have those tools to do that and achieve success on their own, but also making sure that you are, um, you know, 
available and approachable and that you have the staff there ready and trained to be able to answer the questions um, for your customer. Um, I think that that's probably one of the most important things. And so um, I, I, I'm not sure I have that much more to add on to customer service. I mean, as we all know, right, 24-7, 365 days, um, you want to make sure that you're available. Um, you know, one hand to shake is always good. The less people you have to call to get an answer, the better. The more streamlined customer experience, the less disjointed um, something feels from a customer experience standpoint. I think that, um, you know, those are those are all really good things. And then um, also maybe, you know, marketing. And, and that has something to do, you know, what we've done at Shift4 for all of our channels and all of our acquisitions is that any partner you know, of Shift4 has, we have kind of shared resources for marketing, which is really good because partners can't always afford um, extra money for marketing. Um, and so those things kind of trickle down to their customers as well. So anything that you can tap into your, your vendor partners for as well to help with those added resources, I think are also gonna help with your customer and giving them ideas about that. Um, so I think, I think those are all pretty common sense, but I think that they're extremely important. Yeah, but it's, you know, what you said about the speed, you know, how important that is. And, you know, somebody could nod their head and say, well, of, of course it is. But so one of the services we offer through the RSPA is customer health checkup merchant survey. So we'll help a reseller conduct a survey of their merchants. And I can always look at those reports. And if they say they respond uh, quickly, even if they don't solve all the problems, customer satisfaction is going to be high. But if that response rate is low, the customer satisfaction is going to be low. It's almost like you don't even need to have the right answer. Just get back to them and acknowledge them, you know, to them that you receive. And it ties in with what you said, Suzanne, about the tools. I guess there any color that you're able to offer in terms of, you know, the chat or the different tools that maybe uh, resellers might not, you know, have embraced over the years because they've been focusing on, you know, doing what they do. Any insights you can give in terms of what you've seen? As you mentioned website, web chat, anything beyond that or any color you can add to that? Website, web chat, answering phone services as well. I mean, again, you want to talk to a human, but there are maybe certain times where you can't always, making sure that those have been implemented successfully within your organization. Um, you know, um, and and making sure, I just, I want to really um, double down on the resources of making training available on, on your website or pushing out, or maybe you're having um, town halls or webinars um, monthly or quarterly for your customer base. How many resellers actually do that, right? So if you can get, you know, all of your customers even on the phone with you as a reseller and you can give a sales presentation, but also a, you know, they're already your customer, right? But let's make sure that they may, that they continue to be your customer and you know the competition is going after them, right? They're not going to um, let down their guard. So Keeping them engaged is what you'd be doing by, by hosting something like that, a town hall or, or a live webinar. You'd be introducing them to all the sales tools or all of the different ways in which they could be capturing more revenue in their, in their um, business today that maybe they're not utilizing. And then maybe there is a marketing aspect of what they, they don't have that you can offer them today as well. But um, again, it goes to shoring up your existing base and that's all about customer service and education. So um, I've seen a lot of success actually with um, our resellers offering town halls and 
you know, calls like that where they they make all these introductions to all these new products and services. Are you utilizing this? Did you know this? Hey, we just came out with this. Are you guys using this? And the customer after the call is usually calling back in and saying, hey, I have another location or giving a referral or saying, I want to take advantage of that tool. I didn't know. I didn't know. I wasn't using that. I need that. So. Yeah. Good. No, good specifics. We're also seeing RSP VAR members having QBRs, quarterly business reviews, to sit mm -hmm. down with their customers and not just put out fires, but to talk about what's around the corner. So, well, let's pause here for a moment to let our listeners and viewers know that an RSP membership has never been more valuable or more affordable. The RSP has expanded its VAR and ISV member benefits to include discounts on health insurance, HR services, office supplies, and shipping. Also, RSP members now have access to a legal advisor, security advisor, and a VAR and ISV business advisor. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. Also, thank you to our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star, Heartland, ScantSource, and uh, can you guess, Suzanne, the fourth one? Shift four. Shift four. Very good. Ding, ding. You you win a prize. <laughs> to receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at goRSPA.org. I was going to say, glad you got that right. If you didn't, like, we'd have to yeah. we, we'd have to go back and actually edit it and start it all over again. I wouldn't wouldn't leave you out to dry in terms of who yeah. could it be? Who could possibly know? Hopefully, Jared wasn't. Yeah, he wouldn't be watching. <laughs> no. Yeah, not good for career longevity to not know the name of your own company. So, well, uh, so we have a few minutes here. Let's do a quick exercise here. I'm curious to see how this is going to go. So, Michelle, pretend that Suzanne and I are your investors, and we want to see growth in 2021 and beyond from Pinnacle. So, can you share with us what actions do you have planned over the next several quarters to set you and set us as your investors up for success uh, success next year and beyond? So we'll be very critical here. I see Suzanne was taking off her glasses already, giving a very <laughs> pensive look. I've got my pen and my notebook I know. here. Do I need to put my glasses on to look very serious as I'm yes. making a presentation to investors? <laughs> Please do. This is really how the investment community works, right? It's all a lot of times how it looks first, and then you can get down to the uh, the business aspect of it. So yeah, so let's get down to it. Um, so what would you say, what are the actions we have planned, again, over the next several quarters uh, that are going to set you up for success? Well, so um, Suzanne and Jim, what I would say to you is that um, right now we are in the middle of uh, multiple executive session planning for strategy of not only what we're going to look like, what we what we want to look like going into 2021, but where we want to be in three years, five years from now. And with that planning, we have realized that although we're doing a good job in the market, maybe we aren't 100% um, rewarding the results that we really want delivered with our sales team. So we looking at what we've done what we know we have is products and looking at the potential of um, because things are more on a monthly basis of everything from that monthly payments, the residuals, all of that. Uh, we really need to be looking at rewarding our sales team, which is what starts, you know, which is what, you know, we need that sales team and we need them to be delivering results. So we really want to reward them finding more new customers and also having another team that we already have this in place, but we're changing up the comp plan a little bit to reward them highly to be the hunters, to find more business out there. 
and also with our existing you know with our existing base how to aggressively go after that base by a good uh, compensation plan and what we believe we will find is that that will sift out who our true hunters are and our true great communicators to actually close and 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 win business and it will sift out we kind of already know some that are on the bubble but it will sift it out for us through this comp plan to actually um, you know, have them move on to another company that would love to have them as part of their sales team. Um, and that we will continue to add to our sales team as long as we have that business model from a sales perspective. And then the other piece that I will say is it's not only about, um, you know, it's, it's not only about, we've got to be careful about setting the expectation and not being able to execute on it. And then that's why it's very important that we reinvest in our customer service team that is really your long-term relationship with a customer to retain them. And um, you know that they can answer things quickly. They, they know the expectations of that. And so part of our uh, planning as well is better stats and, and, and coaching and, and all of that uh, with our team members. Uh, every team member at Pinnacle gets coached on uh, how they handle calls, uh, how quickly they answer calls. We look at stats on our help desk all the time because we always want to continue to improve. And then the other thing that I would say is we've also taken our teams through some boot camps to help them to understand who we really are as a team and, um, and making sure that we don't have um, you know, any obstacles that are holding us back from those strategic plans. So that whole slowdown to speed up, we can, we can take our whole team offsite, our leadership team, to get them fired up and ready for where we wanna go, because we're gonna help them to understand the why and what we need to execute and give them the goals to get there. Got it, thank you for that. So I'm looking at, uh, just to give a summary before I get Suzanne's take. Uh, first, you're doing executive planning, looking out three to five years. You're not just saying, well, we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing. Uh, you're talking about changing up the comp plan and that's gonna help you separate your sales reps to focus on the getters and the keepers for lack of a, of a better term. And then you're gonna add to your sales team appropriately and then reinvest in customer service, stats, coaching uh, and boot camp. So Suzanne, my fellow investor, what, do, uh, what would you add? What do you think of Michelle's plan uh, that she laid out? I think Michelle's plan is really pretty well thought out and it's really exciting too, uh, the potential that it sounds like there is um, for the sales team there and for Pinnacle. Um, and I'm sure that they're already working on this behind the scenes, but definitely, and she mentioned this, making sure that that goal is achievable and um, maybe marking milestones along the way um, because you know sometimes a goal can feel really high to salespeople, but to have those milestones along the way and to be able to dialogue to each milestone is going to help her team, um, you know, achieve success. So I would really kind of roadmap that out, and I would continue communicating and in, in that dialogue and being um, completely transparent um, throughout that process. But I love it, and I think it's it's exciting. Yeah, there really is like no replacement for having more salespeople, more focused salespeople to make these sales. Because it's not like you just, you know, dress up your website and suddenly all the calls are going to start coming in, right? That's just like not how this uh, this business works. So, uh, and Michelle, you know, one of my favorite quotes is the only time I ever quote uh, Mike Tyson is he says, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So what do you see as the biggest challenges, the biggest, you know, 
swings that are people are going to be taking it to or market forces will take it you um, and, and other resellers. What are the challenges uh, to executing that plan that you just kind of laid out uh, for Suzanne and me? Um, I think the biggest challenge is um, just like I said earlier that one of our um, I would say one of the good things about us is that we have a lot of team members that have been with us for a long time and which means they have a lot of uh, great uh, knowledge and skills but also that can sometimes be your biggest obstacle because they want to keep doing things the way they've always done them and they don't necessarily embrace it and sometimes you can be in a meeting and you're talking and they're they're you know yes 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 we're in and then the next thing you know they kind of revert back to their old ways and the way well we've always you know we've always done it this way they like it that way better because it's you know not everybody loves change um and i could name for you probably 10 of our team members that just don't like change but um so that's one thing that i think could be an obstacle but at the same time if you know that ahead of time and with communication uh and you're you know you're you're doing the one-on-ones you're watching uh what's going on you can stay ahead of that and um and you know what it's okay if you have team members even if they've been with you for a long time it's okay that maybe they just it's not they're not a, what you need anymore um they actually might be relieved that they aren't in that pressure they don't they they it's more than what they do it's act it's actually gone beyond their capacity and um sometimes you have to make some strong you know make some hard decisions as a leader that are for the best of the team so um so that's you know give everybody a chance make sure you know the why but sometimes some team members just won't get help you get to that next level and you have to part ways yeah and give them the opportunity to get good right all the training and, and everything but sometimes people don't want to do that anymore they they prefer to you know stay with the way that uh, that things were um all right so we uh, only have a couple minutes left so my last question for you and we love asking our guests this uh from time to time can you recommend to our audience of vars and isvs a book to read an online resource to follow a podcast to listen to that's going to help them improve uh their organization and so suzanne uh, I'll have you go first, please, with that. Sure. Um, a book that's really kind of a quick read and, and actually I've given it out to um, many resellers to give to their customers actually during a sale is Burning Down the House. Um, it's a couple of, uh, you know, New Orleans bartenders um, and it's basically all about loss prevention and all the different ways in which you can really um, rip off a customer, but it really helps to amplify the benefits of point of sale system and the service that you bring to that customer. Good, thank you. I'm glad it wasn't about arson, right? That would be a whole other problem. Like it's a how-to guy. That's probably not where we want to go. Uh, well, good. Okay, so burning down the house, we'll have to check that out. And so, Michelle, since you're a returning guest, uh, you know, you had mentioned some uh, books before on your prior appearance. Always an opportunity for you to uh, plug uh, Restaurateur, Protect Your Profits, uh, written by your uh, your husband, Don Potter. Uh, you also mentioned the last time we got together uh, some books, Culture by Design, uh, L5 Leadership by John Maxwell, and then you also had the Lost Interview by Steve Jobs. So those are just a few that Michelle had mentioned before. Uh, anything you'd want to add to that list, Michelle? Um, you know, in, in, those were a lot culture-based. Uh, what resources would you recommend? 
Well, you know, it's funny because I didn't really know that we were going to talk so much about communication and all of that in 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 our discussion today. But the book that uh, I really wanted to show you guys is the Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Excellent book. We actually just took our leadership team through this as a boot camp uh, as we were coming up out of um, you know the the pandemic and everything. And uh, see, there you go. Um, and the foundation of a team is trust and then also it's communication so um you know i think as if you want a strong team and it goes along with a great team culture you got to make sure you have a good strong foundation and um there is great exercises in the book it's a great read uh that you may very well think you're doing all the things to build a team but if the trust's not there and the communication is not effective, you will never get yourself, you'll never get your team to another level. And also it will just, it describes to you where you can have people that are actually working against everything that you're trying to accomplish. And you've got to figure out who those people are and see if there's something that you can help to change with that. Or if, you know, or, you know, just, you know, why uh, they're being counter to what you're trying to accomplish. So um, every time that something happens that goes counter against trust, it just kind of, uh, you know, kind of digs away at that foundation and it will crumble. Yeah. Just like in yeah. any relationship. No, exactly right. Yeah. People are people. Employees are people. Managers are people. Leaders are people. And so uh, I grabbed uh, the five dysfunctions of a team off my bookshelf. And so I'm showing the front cover. But on the back, I don't know if you guys can see this. I actually uh, I had this book on my list to buy. Jeremy Julian uh, from CBS North Star had recommended it to me. I happen to be mm -hmm. I, you know, every time the library goes and sells uh, books, you know, this was one that was in the batch. So I paid a dollar for my copy of uh <laughs> The five dysfunctions of a team, like the best dollar I ever spent uh, was doing that. I'd also recommend, I can't remember the name of his podcast, but Patrick Lencioni has a podcast that comes out, I believe, weekly. And he, you know, it's an unfiltered, you know, he's not like they're doing some advertisement or something like that. Like they really dive deep. It's him and his leadership team talking about some of the challenges they've had. So if you just search uh, under your podcast for Patrick, L-E-N-C-I-O-N-I, -I, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find uh, that podcast as well. So, well, thanks for those resources. Thanks for all the insights that uh, to our listeners and viewers. We hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy, the more stars, the better. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point of sale channel, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. There's also a subscription form on there. It'll take you one minute. We'll make sure uh, that we keep you updated and in the loop. Before we go, thanks again to Suzanne and Michelle for sharing their wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marcom manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks again for listening, and goodbye, everybody.